Hey everybody, it's Ron from the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast Network, here to talk to you today about SpinWiz Comics. SpinWizComics.com is an indie comics discovery platform. It's designed to help comic book readers find new content, with over 60 publishers and over 400 different comic titles to choose from, and growing every week. Most of the content right now is free to read, but there are options available to purchase PDFs and support creators you read the most. And right now, as part of the promotion, IB Comics is offering the first four issues of Grace, free to read. And for all you music fans out there, the first 28 pages of Legba's Juke Joint Volume 1. You can read all of these for free at spinwizcomics.com. So if you're a content creator out there, check it out. It's a no-hassle platform whose core goal is to help with awareness, to essentially take your comic book and put it out there for new readers. It's as easy as uploading a couple of PDFs, toss them into a Dropbox or Google, and within a day, your stuff will be online and available for purchase or for new readers to check out. SpinWizComics.com. Check it out today. And welcome to Fix It in the Mix, the podcast about the real music business. As always, I'm your host, Chris Thayer. Today I'm sitting down with vocal guru, Billy Purnell. We're here in the beautiful Inland Blue Studios. Uh, welcome, Billy, and thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks, Chris. Um, so for those that don't know who you are, how would you describe yourself in the music business? What do you do? Well, I'm a voice teacher, uh, mainly. That's how I've been making my money for past 30 plus years um, but I'm also uh, you know I was on stage all through the 80s and and I've built a couple recording studios so uh, that's what kind of got me behind the scenes and um, so I one of those jack of all trades like we got to be as musicians but uh, but my main my main gig is has always been voice teaching now that's a little bit of uh, uh, I'm saying you're being um, humble that's the word um, <laughs> When you say you're a voice teacher, yeah, you are a voice teacher, but you have gotten to a point now where you have some of the, the most talented singers out there, people that a lot of people would know started mm -hmm. out, um, you know, and, and learned from you, and, and I, maybe they still come to you. Um, I get the impression that they, you still are working with a lot of these singers. Yeah, um, for the most part, you know, uh, as a technique teacher, um, people will come back and, and hit me up every once in a while uh, for, for brush-ups or whatever. Um, uh, I have one artist that's out there right now that um, uh, we get together all the time when she's on tour. Um, her name is Tori Kelly. She's gotten very popular and uh, great, great singer. Uh, really, really uh, diligent about her voice, um, keeping it fresh, keeping it um, in shape. And so um, she doesn't mind using me for, uh, for you know, every tour. Uh, we do that on Skype, and it's really cool. Oh, that's um, very cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's very cool. I have had others that just, you know, it's like uh, they've done the thing, and, and um, uh, I see them later on, and I can see they're still good with their technique and everything, and that makes me, uh, that makes me happy. Well, to be honest, man, it, it never really occurred to me when I was starting out as, as a musician um, that singers would go to a vocal coach. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you hit the 90s and you got someone like Gwen Stefani blowing out her voice mid-tour because she's doing these weird shrieky noises. And then you get James Hetfield from Metallica 
who seemed like, you know, he was immortal when it came to singing. He'd scream and yell and bark. And all of a sudden, he's trashed his voice. Yeah. And then you start hearing about all these others. Um, and I think the reality is people have figured out, yeah, you can't go on these tours and just rely on your raw ability. You've got to actually learn how to train your instrument. Yeah. It's like any instrument. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, and during that period, um, the there was a, a big conflict because it was like if you're going – to a voice teacher, you're learning classical methods. Right. And it wasn't really, um, you know, transferring over into the modern uh, world. And singers were confused. And so it was kind of like, well, you don't do that. Uh, right. But then uh, people like Seth Riggs came along. Seth was my mentor, um, taught Michael Jackson, taught just a huge, huge, I don't think there'll ever be as popular a voice teacher as Seth again. Um, but um, but he came along and, you know, was in the right place, the right time with the right idea and got a lot of artists going and endorsing him and endorsing the method. And I remember seeing the ads in yeah. like, you know, Hit Parade magazine or Cream magazine or whatever. Uh, even like the metal magazines, you would see him in the back. Mm -hmm. And I remember the name Seth Riggs because of those ads. Right, right. And um, he was uh, huge. He really didn't even need to advertise. He was just so, right. so big word of mouth. But uh, um, but yeah, and a bunch of us came out of that camp. Um, I kind of went my own direction. Uh, a lot of other guys went their own direction. and uh, But we've all, you know, we're all able to claim that, uh, and, and we're proud to claim that, you know, he got us going. Um, his method kind of changed a little bit over the years, and the industry changed, and so... Um, you know, so we're out there on our own, but, uh, but yeah, fortunately for people like him, uh, we are all fortunate because, um, uh, it, the, 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 the singing method that is used now, the, the most popular stuff that artists do are, um, very effective for popular music. And we've definitely seen a shift in the way people sing over the last 20 or so years. Absolutely. It's totally different. I, I think about guys like Axl Rose, mm -hmm. you know, that poor dude has completely <laughs> trashed his voice. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and uh, you know, he's still hanging on and trying to, to make a go of it. But but man, it's it definitely woke me up as a singer um, to to taking care of my voice. Mm -hmm. uh, I was lucky I had like a choir class in school and I don't know that he knew a lot about taking care of the voice. He knew a little. I think he did a lot of reading. Um, he was more of a musician than a than a choir teacher or a voice teacher. Mm -hmm. um, but it, that was the first time it really kind of hit me that oh wait a minute I got to actually like take care of this instrument. And for the longest time I would lose my voice at gigs. Oh yeah, you know, we're doing these four hour gigs in smoke filled rooms, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I I can't even imagine the damage that I was doing to my voice. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's hard to recover from sometimes, especially if yeah. you're working. Uh, constantly, you know. So is that how you got kind of started with, with uh, doing voice lessons? Were you taking lessons from yes. Seth Yes. Oh, yeah. I studied with Seth for for years. I started out with a guy named Andy Bettner. I'm still in touch with him. He's a wonderful guy down in Newport Beach. And um, and he uh, he was one of the people that turned me on to, to Seth. Uh, eventually, I, I uh, started, you know, um, what's that word? Uh, working under Seth. He, like interning. Interning, yeah, right. that's a good one. He um, he had this kind of level system, and I, I made a top tier, and I was kind of his one of his LA guys, and um, and that was uh, that was all really cool. Um, 
really, really, I, when I moved out to Riverside, um, the um, I was just the only cat out here was was doing that that right. thing. So um, naturally, I really uh, my business blossomed, and I, I found I found my roots. I, I really felt like I had discovered something, you know. Uh, sometimes uh, I was I was tired of being on stage. I was wanting to move on. I was into the recording studios. I had built one down in Huntington Beach. Um, I had a little one over in uh, Pico Rivera too. Oh, okay. Uh huh. And um, and I found myself coaching uh, clients more and more, mm-hmm. and using what I knew. And I'm like, you know what? I think uh, I think I think I love this. You know. Right. And I did. I just I, I've, I've never looked back. I've just loved it. I I think there's two schools of of doing lessons. There's the guy who's just trying to get by. So it's like I'll do some lessons. And make a little extra bread. And then there's the folks that are actual teachers. Yeah. Um, and not that the other people don't teach, but I think there's something um, to someone who is a teacher in quotation marks um, that they they get more out of um, the lessons and watching the students grow than the other kind of person does. That, Absolutely. That it's not a, only about the money, at least. Yeah. That you um, it's kind of like having a kid and watching your kid do what you do, but do it better. You know, or, or become successful. In it is like right. that. Yeah. It is like that. Um, so I've, I've kind of gotten ahead of myself here. I, I try to always start out the episodes, but I'm super, super interested in what you're, what you're talking about, what yeah, you do. Cool. Um, but I want to kind of backtrack a little bit. I always ask people how they got started in music to begin with. Mm. Um, because, and I say this almost every time that um, music is the kind of thing that it chooses you. You don't choose it. And most people don't, set out to become a musician when they start learning to play or to sing or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not really ever the end goal. Um, they just kind of fool around with it. And then suddenly it's like, I have to do this. How did you get going? That was get me. Started that was this? me. Um, you know, I just, uh, I, I'll tell you the, the morning I woke up at 4am and the song horse with no name was on my little blue radio. Okay. One dial. And I'm like, who is this? And I was tripping. Just loved it. I used to have, I grew up in Colorado, had all these fantasies about the desert and the, right. the, 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 the great big unknown. And here was this song just melting, melting my heart. So I discovered the group America, had to learn to play guitar, begged mom, got the guitar for Christmas. It was a classical nylon string guitar. I'm like, um, this doesn't sound like it's America. not quite <laughs> what I was going for, but yeah, this you know. And I didn't know the strings. difference. I'm just like, well, my mine doesn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you know, learned learned the learned the tricks. Took right. a, took some lessons, and um, and you know, it just blew up. I I I, I loved it. I loved it. I so loved was that it. the first song you learned to play? Horse with no name. Um. I, I mean, aside from things was. like Louie Louie or something. Oh, well, yeah, there was a lot of hanging your head Tom Dooley, you know, right. boom, 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 boom. That was during the lesson phase. But, yeah, when I started to work it, uh, I would imagine it was, but I don't I don't know for sure. But I mean, I'll tell you, it was early on, though. <laughs> well, but, but that one definitely stood out to you. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. And, and I think most people have a song like that. Yeah. It isn't necessarily their favorite song, but it is the song that grabbed them first yeah, yeah. Um, so absolutely mm, so I still love it <laughs> yeah so so getting back to um, what you do now mm-hmm. um, just kind of give me a, a idea I, I mean not do a lesson or anything but 
an idea of what it is you do. I mean, you have people come in, obviously they find you online and whatnot, but like the in-person stuff. Yeah. Uh, or either way. I mean, it's, I just find it kind of fascinating. The, sure. Uh, the lesson well, process. I'm mainly known as a technique teacher, which means you're going to sit down or you're going to stand up <laughs> at the microphone. I'm going to record everything we do. And, um, and, and I'm playing scales. I'm using the piano as reference. But what we're doing is we're working your range from the bottom to the top. And if you've never done it before and you're an experienced singer, you're probably going to break out in laughter in the first few minutes because yeah. all of a sudden there's this part of your voice that you um, don't really use very right. much. And you're having to use it with some very strange sounds like which is right. a classic warm-up trip trick. But... Um, and so there's a lot of that. I'm, a, I'm very much a technician. Um, and then um, and then people, you know, hit me up for, uh, you know, how do I do riffs? How do I do this styling? Uh, what if I want to change, um, you know, uh, genres, uh, things right. like that? I also um, produce uh, vocals as well. Um, a little project studio in my home. Okay. And what um, are you using recording wise? Not to get too logic. Out. Yeah, just logic. logic. Yeah. Um, logic. I've got a Neumann um, mic. Um, and, um, you know, a chord piano, um, right. all the MIDI stuff, you know, you like it, the Norman, hmm? I like the Norman. I got the cheap one. I got, you know, it's like 1100 bucks. Right. Um, but I think that's what I have as well. Yeah. It's, it, it does. It covers a lot of ground. We have a mutual friend, uh, Kelly McGuire yeah, and, and Kelly yeah. is the, um, the sound guru. And I uh, actually, absolutely. He, he's on another episode of this. Awesome. Um, and I, I love going to Nam show with him mm -hmm. because he knows about all of these crazy microphones and tubes and preamps. And like, how does a single person know all this stuff <laughs> about all this stuff? I know. Um, and you know, he'll, he'll look at me and go, you know what, Mike, I think would be really good for your voice. Let's try this Russian mic that has been out of use for the last 30 years, but they're it's making them again. You should try that. It's the, the Octava? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sitting on the desk. Oh. So, yeah, we went to we worked at NAMM this year at the Heil booth, uh -huh. and they were across the way, and he's like, dude, that mic would be great for your voice. Really? And it's, I guess it's like an 80s mic that yeah, was really yeah. popular in the I've, 80s. I've still got one. I um. You know, it's, it's obviously modernized a little bit, but, I mean, it's basically the same. Yeah. Um, As a voice teacher and voice guru as i am called i you would think i would know more about that stuff than i do but um he, yeah he's the one i hit up for questions so you you said that you used to do a lot of uh playing in the 80s or being on yeah. stage um, yeah. were, were you part of like the metal scene or the rock no, scene i was or? you know i was caught in the uh the crossfire of uh uh, I, I loved country rock. It was, okay. it was all about Leonard Skinner and, and uh, you know, ZZ Top and Marshall Tucker Band and all that stuff. And, um, and in that time period, that was huge in Orange County. Right. And so um, we, I started off, uh, very long story, but uh, I started off just with solo guitar, finally got an agent. You know, agents used to book the rooms back then. And... Um, uh, to see me and then he said hey you know what you could do this but you you should get a band together got a band together started doing that and worked our way up and then we were gigging with some of the better you know uh, acts at the time period right. there was an act called lost angeles okay uh, amazing guys um there was the chris gaffney band mm -hmm. there was uh rest his soul he's he's passed but um and so there was us we were rosedale we were country rock 
And then the urban cowboy thing hit, and it was oh, like, oh, man, no, just, don't make me do this. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I was the guy that was saying to the band, you know, it was my band. I, I was saying, we, we got to do this. We can't play this club and this club. Right. So I remember one gig in particular, we're down at the, uh, the Balboa Bay Yacht Club. Ooh. <laughs> I was like, good paying gig. So I'm like, come on, guys, That's let's do this. Right it's there. Sunday afternoon. And uh, they came out in their Tony Llamas and their, you know, tight jeans and everything and wanted to do that Cotton Eye Joe. And here we were a bunch of long-haired hippies. <laughs> we, we gave them a good time, but we were not appropriate for the room. No, no. Yeah. So would you say that was one of your, your worst gigs? or No. Like, that do was you a... have a worst gig? Because most people have a nightmare story that sticks oh, with them. Oh, man, I got At lots of one. nightmares. Uh, I'll tell you what a nightmare was. Um, we opened a place called – do you remember the um, – it was at the cow, not the cowboy. The cowboy. We well, had like the midnight. That was in and Anaheim. It was the one on the, the fi- off the fifty-five at Dyer Road. The oh. I think it was called the cowboy. It may be. Anyway, huge. I mean, it made uh, it it made um, radio's best. It it earned right. awards at the uh, Country Music Awards. It was a it was a fixture. Well, we opened that room, oh. and we did not. We should not have been there, but right. we played a party where a bunch of drunk guys were and got the agent to sign us that night. Nice. And um, it, it, was, it was a party for Warmington Homes, and they were big sponsors of this. Of this Man, it's not the cowboy. Oh, this is terrible. The Palomino? No. No. no, that's L.A. Yeah. Um, I played there. That Crazy cool. Horse? Crazy Horse! Hey, Thank there you. it is. Whew. I know you hate that. Oh, <laughs> like, man. I can see it. I, I can... know. It's like an itch you have yep, to scratch. Yep. All right. So it was the crazy horse. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, we were fired. <laughs> oh. So it didn't take long. <laughs> well, it went... First of all, we didn't belong there. Second of all, um, the sound was not ready. They were oh. not ready. And I knew those guys uh, doing the sound. And um, I felt bad for them. I think they were fired, too. But uh, it was a suit and tie night, you know. Oh, and, yeah. and we just did not belong there. A bunch of hippie rockers, you know. Yeah. They wanted... They needed Willie Nelson. Right. We just happened. Anyway, yeah, that would be a, my uh, that'd, that'd be a nightmare gig. It was a very worst. high class nightmare gig. Well, right, yeah. But, but that's I mean I I it, there's no secret that I was playing at, at downtown Disney for a while, and we were still doing the Big Papa thing, mm-hmm. and that was definitely not our place. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's anything that we're not, it's that. <laughs> Um, and as much as I tried to kind of cookie cutter us into that, into that, yeah. we are so not that um, that mold. Yeah, and there yeah, are yeah. bands that can get away with it, and they sort of morph and whatnot. But we're we're just raw and in your face, right. and you know, especially at that time, it was very fly by the seat of your pants, and it was it was dangerous music because it, you didn't know which. Way. I would start songs without even telling them what the song is. <laughs> in fact, I still do that, and I the, the band scrambles to figure out, okay, what the heck is he? Playing? What is this? What key are we in? Oh no, um, Chris is going and, nuts. But I think that's that adds to the excitement. Of Absolutely, it. yeah. And and as much as it was a nice cushy gig, I just I kept looking around, going, man. This I don't know that this is us, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like gigs where I have to temper who I am or what I want to play. I know. And I know. there's a lot of those. And, yeah. And you do that when you're trying to work as a musician. The for difference sure. between being an artist and an employee. Right. Right. Know? And I it definitely <laughs> you are like an that. employee of the mouse. Right. And I'm not knocking it at all. It is a great gig for for a lot of musicians. Absolutely. And they do really well there. 
Uh, I just know that it is not where I was supposed to be. Um, so that's one of the nightmares. What, do you have like a favorite or a best gig that you've ever done? Best gig I've it's ever hard, huh? done. Man, best gig. Um, well, I have a, I'll call it the most interesting gig. Okay. Um, it was the, it was the, it was a chili cook-off held at the Paramount Ranch. Oh. There's about 11,000 people there. Wow. And the funny thing is, that weekend, I mean, we were playing every night. And that weekend, we played a gig in Brea. We had to strike that night and play a wedding in El Toro the next morning. Oh. We had to go back to Brea, set up that night, uh, the Saturday night. Then we had to strike Saturday night and be at the Paramount Ranch in Agoura on Sunday morning. Oof. And we didn't even sleep. That's we, a long weekend. Yeah, we stayed at uh, my my old buddy Dave Perlman. The the um, he's the microphone maker now. Yeah, but uh, he he was our steel player, and we all stayed at his house. And we must have got like an hour of sleep at the most. And of then course. we had to be set up at nine thirty in a gur, mm-hmm. you know. And so, mm-hmm. but that was a killer gig. I mean, the place was just jammed, and we were on TV and all this oh. cool stuff. Oh, so you know, awesome. we felt like we were kings. But uh, I was driving home from that gig, and I couldn't. I couldn't function. I almost hit the car in front of me three times. I pulled over, fell asleep on the side of the road. Wow. <laughs> Got woken up by a nightstick. <laughs> hey, buddy. You know, I'm you like, can't sleep here. I'm like, well, I thought I was supposed to do this. He goes, no, you're supposed to pull off the freeway. Not- <laughs> right, right. Not just right off the side. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. So, um, so we got your, some of your best, some of your worst. Um, <laughs> I, did you have like the rock star dreams back yeah. in the 80s oh, yeah. and, and you were doing the press kits and promos and all yep. that stuff? And, did all that. And, um, you know, I mean, you had to have uh, this was my experience. I mean, you had to have a $300 an hour lawyer just to get into a, a yeah. label. And and yeah, you had to have this whole press kit together and everything. And, and that was just to show respect. Whereas, because didn't I didn't have to know be good anybody. at that point, no. that's just to get a look. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't know anybody. I had a few people introduce me into. Uh, I, I remember sitting down with Mike uh, Rosenthal. Is that his name? Um, he was a big, big executive, and he listened to my stuff, and I, that was a fun meeting. Um, but you know, for the most part, uh, I, I tell my kids all the time. I, I, I said, if if YouTube would have been around. I was a hard worker. We would have made it. We would have been good because we were good. We made some really good, interesting, strange music, and um, uh, and um, we just and it just never got out there, you know. So I mean, it's in a lot of ways. There's a lot of noise because everybody with a phone has a YouTube channel. Oh yeah. But I think at the same time, it's also the great equalizer because the uh, totally. the gatekeepers are no longer in charge. That's right. That's right. Um, and they, you know, you get people who are completely self-made, at least to a point, and yeah. then the labels find out about them and pick them up, right? Um, if they can. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, and people say to me, you know, hey, you got connections. Uh, can you this? Can you that? And I'm like, yes, I do have connections, but they're going to ask me the same thing. And everybody right. else is. How many right. followers do they have? Which so, is kind of ridiculous to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. They that's just don't the want to work. The, the labels, I mean, they don't want to well, do that not. discovery work. They want right. to latch on to something that's going. Well, they haven't. When Who's the last artist they actually nurtured? Right. You know, exactly. I mean, I can't think of anybody in recent memory that was a nurtured artist, yeah. you know, maybe somebody like, like Prince, mm-hmm. you know, back in the, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, 
then again, I don't know. I'm not in the industry, so I, I don't know what the labels do. And there, there's do. a little bit of that still going on, but um, but for the most part, um, they're just they they want to sell plastic and, and right. downloads. They don't really want to. Uh, uh, develop artists. There's too many out there. there. There are a lot out there. Yeah. I don't know that there's as much um, talent or creativity out there as you would think, but I think there's a lot of people doing stuff because everybody can do stuff. There's four chords that are very popular, right. real popular. Right. <laughs> well, and my daughter, she's not a musician in any way, my youngest. And she was about a month ago, her whole thing was, I'm making beats on my phone. Mm. And I'm like, that's cool. Are, are you going to do something? No, we're just playing around. We're just playing around. Like everybody's got the access to it yeah. at this point. Um, it definitely has changed the face of, of the industry. Um, do you think that's a good thing? Or I think it is an inevitable thing. I think that the mechanization of music is just, it's it's part of the plan. It's the way it is. Um, I the part that The part that saddens me is that a lot of youngsters are not actually learning music. They're yeah. learning. They're yeah. learning how to run a, you know, one of these beat makers, right. and then they're doing something to that. Now that can get really creative, and and they can really do something with that, and that can trigger them to, to go back and learn the, the right. basics. But for the most part, you know, some of the actual you know music theory is getting lost. Well, and I, you can put together an entire song, and not play a single instrument. Right. Because you can find a little bass loop and right. you can find a keyboard loop that's in the same key in the same tempo and you've quote unquote written a song now. Yeah. Even though you haven't written anything, mm. you know, that's still kind of your song. Um, so I think it is it is definitely a line because at some point you're not a musician at this point. You're just a programmer. Mm -hmm. And, you know. I, I think that definitely, and you see that more than in just music. I mean, you'll see it in art as well. Sure. You know, oh, so yeah. I think that's, that's the danger with technology. My hope is that there's a generation of kids that are coming into their own right now that are actually learning to play instruments. There, um, there is. And that, that has been a bright spot. The acoustic indie yeah. scene is pretty thriving. And, Amazingly, uh, yeah. I'm super surprised by this. And I'm not a Billie Eilish fan, but her and her brother ha have done just, I mean, he's a programmer oh, yes. more than anything. But he, they're, they're really but coming up with stuff play. that the kids love. Yeah. And um, they're, you know, between them and, and my girl, Tori, you know, she learned to play guitar. She just kept getting better and better. And and uh, um, she, she's got her own style, but she's, and she's really in tune with it. Like she... She's very comfortable on the right. guitar. Um, I love seeing that. And when yeah. I tell um, other artists, you know, singing is good, but you, you got to pick up an instrument, man. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no them, sense having a voice if you have nothing to say. It, yeah, I you know, feel. or you got to find a band. You got to do something. You can't just be a singer these days. You know. Well, no, because. Everybody can sing. Yeah. I mean, it may not be great, but everybody can make noise come out and call themselves a singer. Yeah. There's some really popular singers that aren't necessarily the greatest Great singers, greatest right. singers in the world. Absolutely. Um, so now backtracking a little bit, um, do you still write and record your stuff? Uh, I am writing with students. Okay. Yes. And um, and I did really, you write a lot back in the day? I did. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I, when I play stuff for people, uh, everybody says you got to get that out, and I'm like, well, 
you know, I'm well, 62 years old. Yeah, but know. you know what, man? I, I think there's there's something about I've put out three or four records that maybe have had like 20 downloads or something, and they're just pure recording projects. Right. And I think for me, the love of the process is what keeps me doing it. And maybe nobody will ever hear it. Yeah. But at least it's there. You know, I spent the money to get it mastered. Mm-hmm. So I spent a little bit of money on it. But I mean it's it's there and it's sort of a time capsule of of what I did. It's kind of like a painter. You you can always still go paint even though you don't put them in gallery shows or whatever. Yes. You've still got them there. The creative aspect yeah. of it. And I get that. I totally get that. I'm kind of nurturing the writing side of me. I'm becoming an author slowly but surely. Okay. And um but you know, uh, interesting perspective. I've always thought that if I would have, say, pursued sports, um, I was somewhat gifted in that as right. a youngster, uh, I probably would have ended up a coach. Yeah. And as a singer, I ended up a voice teacher. And as a writer, I've ended up a teacher of writing with no hits. You know, so... No, but I think that's okay. I think that's me. I just yeah. think that that is what I'm born to do. And um, so... And I do, like you, I love the creative process of, right. of putting a song together. But uh, but now I'm doing it with these with others and some of these kids I'll, I'll give a shit can I give a shout out to absolutely one of them? you can talk about any of these kids you want I, I got I got three of them right now that are um, uh, starting music and uh, Laura Twyford you can find her on Spotify Lexi Snow you can find her there too and uh, and a guy named Daniel Thornton he hasn't released anything yet but he's also working under me to do this and uh, I love these kids and they're they've got some really good stuff and, and I'm so happy, happy to be a part of it with Laura. I'm actually, um, you know, I listen to her melodies and and I'm coming up with the stuff. Lexi plays guitar. So, um, she's in control. She's kind of being the producer. Um, uh, and then, uh, Daniel, he's, he's still in the learning phase, but he's, he's tricking out his studio and he's, he's, I just love these guys. You know, they're, they're, they're very committed to doing it. Well, and again, it's it's very clear to me that you – it's not an ownership thing, but it's it's a sense of you're invested in, in their success yeah. and in their growth. And I totally get that, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a teacher as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely understand where you're coming from. And that at some point the idea of schlepping gear at 1.30 in the morning – you know, after playing for three, four hours in a club, it just starts to kind of wear on you yeah. because you're playing to an empty house or you're playing to a bunch of drunks. And, and I think that's the reality that a lot of people don't understand about the business. Um, so, man, I, I totally get it. Yeah. And there's there's a fulfillment in what what uh, you're doing with these kids that I think in some ways is way beyond what you would get playing in those bars. Yeah, absolutely. Your own. And that's stuff. and that is exactly what happened. I mean, uh, towards the end of the eighties, um, uh, I found myself just playing for money, not for the joy of it. Right. And uh, and I thought this can't be my living forever. It's not that good a pay. It's uh, you know, I'm looking at making a family, doing something. You know. So how big was the band? How many piece? Uh, well, I had several different bands uh, after that uh, country rock um, era. I got into the whole top 40 scene, which was an interesting story because I was not the lead guitar player for my band. We had a, a couple of amazing lead guitar players, but I got a call from a from a top 40 band that thought I was huh. and said, we're looking for a lead guitar player. And I'm like, 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I can do that. Don't I can do that. Just give me five songs, you know. So <laughs> yeah. I woodshed it, woodshed it, and, right. and uh, showed up, and, and uh, it was cool. So I was in this top 40 band. They were playing nicer places than we played. We were playing right. bars. They were playing, like, you know, the hotel scene and yeah. the little higher-paying stuff. And so I did that for the remainder. Okay. Um, and so my last my last gig was just a duet. You know, I oh, okay. had the I had the guitar, uh, the rolling guitar synthesizer, mm-hmm. and the whole uh, pedal board set up, and right. and we had a um, uh, I had a, a buddy with the you know the whole keyboard cockpit right. and the drummer, and so we did that thing, and that was just that was just for money, man. I was right. barely showing up to those gigs, and there's uh, a lot of that happening. Yeah, right and I, I love the, the uh, wineries are real big for that. Yeah, you yeah. know, and there's there's pay there. Um, but man, it's you see those guys like when they play with the band. There's a whole new light in their eyes oh, because yeah. they get to really connect with another person. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't mind me asking, mm. when you were doing the top forty thing, what were you making a night? Oh boy. This was this was back away. This was right? back in this is back in the eighties. I'm, um, I'm curious how much it's changed. Is why ooh, I uh, you know what? Um, when we played those hotels. I think 125, 150 a night is what I was making. Which is amazing. Yeah. Because it has not changed in 30, 40 years. Really? Yeah. I don't even, you know, I don't even know what guys are making out there. Most bands are making, if they're lucky, a hundred bucks a guy. Yeah. Yeah. You got to think in 40 years time, Mm -hmm. nothing has changed on the pay for musicians. Mm, You know, it's kind of sad. isn't it? It's very sad. Um, And I'm not sure how that will ever change because you got a lot of players who come in and play for next to nothing or play for tips mm-hmm. or play for drinks, you know, and food. That's how and I started playing for tips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think what that does and a lot of people who are working musicians hate those guys. Mm-hmm. They absolutely hate that they're there um, because they're, you know, weekend warriors and they're just doing it because they enjoy playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys who are trying to work and make a living and feed families and whatnot, you know, it, it really undercuts what yeah. they're doing because the clubs don't care. Well, that makes sense. No, the clubs don't care. And that goes back to the 80s as well. Oh, yeah. Because as you got to the end of the 80s, the clubs would have you selling tickets and they just didn't care if the band was any good. Oh, yeah. If they had live music at all. Because when I, I remember, I remember specifically, I don't remember where, what the name of the club was, but I remember hearing my first killer, killer club sound system and thinking, oh, this isn't good because you know, <laughs> this, I mean, they were filling the room and it was a beautiful sound and it was, and you know, bands, they, they were always struggling to get it right, you know? And, um, uh, there's a lot more action with the band. And if you're, if the band has a following and people come out and party, that's one thing, but people were changing how they were partying. And so, uh, I could see the writing on the wall back then that, you know, club owners, one installation of this sound system and a good DJ, and then, boom, they yeah. just saved themselves 2500 a week or whatever. Right, right. Well, and, and that is kind of the reality of the business. And I think that's what the average person doesn't get, is that every struggling musician, whether they work for it, you know, to make all of their money that way, or whether they're just, you know, kind of doing it and trying to still have those rock star dreams or those yeah. dreams of getting music out to people. Um, that's the reality we face, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's pretty rough. Now, your kids aren't going into that scene now. No. They're definitely headed to another direction. You have kids going to, like, American Idol and whatnot. Right. right? That's right. Uh, I got I got a gal on Idol right now. 
Um, uh, I can't tell you uh, how far she's gotten her. I'll have to kill you. But um, oh, okay. yeah, and then uh, <laughs> and then, and then uh, I got a guy on The Voice too, and um, right. same same situation. But and yeah, you I've can't had to talk about who they are. Oh uh, yes, uh, Olivia Zeminis okay. is on American Idol, and uh, Jake Murphy is on uh, The Voice. Excellent. Both yeah. on the, this season, current so season. So are these your first two that have gone into the shows? Or no, you got no. Others? No, I've, I've, I've had a, probably around 20. Really? Yeah. So you're like the breeding ground for the American Idol competition. Yeah. Um, let's see. Or one I, of them. I anyway. wonder if I'm exaggerating that. Well, there, if I count people, because there was one group, on X Factor, well, we don't need to do numbers, but yeah, I think it's around twenty. Well, I, would I think say. people are interested in because it was. Hearing, if you want to drop names, that's totally cool. If you don't, I I get that too. Um, some of the ones I don't know who would, everybody would know from those, but as far as well, okay, Jessica Sanchez, I worked with when she was twelve, thirteen years old. Um, she went on to be number two on American Idol. She lost to Philip Phillips, who was uh, what they call the wig wig. Okay. Wigwigs won five years in a row. White guys with guitar. Oh, well, there <laughs> so, you go. Yeah, and, and, you know, she's going to, I don't know what he's doing. Um, I don't know what he's doing, actually, Philip Phillips. But, um, but Jessica, she's still out there, and she's an amazing singer. Amazing. So I think that was the first big one. But, um, and then, of course, we had X Factor, too. So I had right. several on that one, too. And, uh, so where are these kids performing? I know they, they do that, but what other kind of that, stuff do they go do? If they don't take advantage of that at that time and get themselves you know, out there, then nothing happens afterwards. And that's, They just stop? That's the set. No, no, they don't okay. stop. No. I mean, they're, I, they're I know playing. a lot of these kids are going on and they do like the national anthem at the 66ers game. Sure, or, sure. You know, they do a lot of that kind of stuff. Or they yeah. might work at um, some stadiums doing that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I got a bunch of kids that, um, in fact, over half the Angels, uh, LA Angels, um, singers uh come through me really and, well i have a nice relationship with them so that's um, that's phenomenal yeah so that's kind of cool and uh but but yeah um, i'm not to start taking lessons with you so i can go perform an angel stadium. The national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know that i ever would be able to pull that off that's, uh, that's always been one that's that's uh I've seen That's so not. many videos of how they've gone badly <laughs> yeah. that I just, I've always oh, yeah. kind of steered clear of it. I'm sure I could do it. Um, oh, I have some favorites on YouTube. Of, oh, I'm of sure. Disasters. Uh, yeah. If you're for the angels, uh, 90 seconds or less, no riffs. Right. Um, you right. know, you gotta be, uh, you gotta be pretty straight with it, which I dig. I, you know, I, I understand that it's a, it's an American tradition. I get that. Right. The, I mean, if Christina Aguilera wanted to sing there, I'm sure they would let her. They'd give her an extra 30 seconds, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> a couple minutes. Well, you would you'd need a couple minutes. <laughs> I think she is, hopefully doesn't get paid by the note. She sings a lot of notes. Um, uh, that's funny. Yeah. So is there somebody that you hear or have heard that, that inspires you every time? Like, oh, I have... Um, I have, uh, gosh, that's a good question. I mean, I have. Okay, this is going to be ne this is negative, and I'm you know, and, and I know this is going to sound whatever it sounds like, but um, uh, and I have a negative inspiration. Okay. When I hear Adele sing, really, I, I love the sound of her voice in one way, but when I hear the pressure she's putting on it, yeah, um, it 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 it. It makes me 
happy about what I do, that right. I'm able to help people not do that. Right. You know, right. she's had to cancel tours. She's had. Uh, so she does it live as well. Yeah, it's it's tough for her. It's tough. But, you know, she's uh, I think she's turned things around with that. I don't know if she's uh, quit smoking or whatever. That's not a very good idea for singers. Uh, <laughs> no. Or horn players for that. Matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like your whole instrument is, is de- dependent upon breath. Yeah. Why would you limit it, you know, by doing stuff that would limit your, your capacity? Yes. So, yeah. yeah, I never understood that. And then if you want to look at a, a positive one, I mean, I will go to Christina because um, she is one who can hammer her voice. And sometimes she she goes outside of good technique, but she always seems to come back and rebound from it. Hmm. And, um, and when I mean, incredible. I mean, within a song. So you'll never hear her screaming her guts out unless she's sick or something. I've, right. I've seen her where it wasn't quite so good, but, uh, you know, I knew she was ill at the time. Um, I don't know her, but um, I, uh, I wish I did because I, 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 man, I would be on top of her voice in a, in a heartbeat. The girls really got pipes and, and uh, probably her, the most inspirational performance was when she did Man's World. Right. It's a man's world. Um, what, what was that on Idol? What show was that on? The Voice, maybe. I think it was on the Voice. And uh, man, she killed that thing. <laughs> I, that definitely is one that sticks out in my mind. Yeah. I, I I really like her when she tones things down a little bit and just sings. I'm not saying that she's not singing soulfully when she's doing you know tons of runs yeah um but there's something that's that's a little more sincere when she's not showing off yes and and i don't know if it's showing off or if it's showing technique or showing ability i think it's a combination of things i think for one thing she's very contained in the studio and um you know the producers know what they're doing she knows what she's doing they make great records they make excellent records when she goes out live I think she gets a little lazy. I think she just wants to have fun sometimes. She likes to impress. And I do know that, you know, it's an old trick. If you can't hold a high note, just riff out of it. You know, if if you can riff. Oh, I do that. Yeah. So, yeah. So (laughs) I think she does a lot of that, you know, takes it easy here and there. But, uh, you know, her fans love it. They just love it. And, of course, I'm the old guy who's complaining. Oh, she sings too many notes. Yes, that's right. Um, my, My kids all think she's the greatest thing. What do you think of uh, Ariana Grande? Um, you know, at first, um, my first impression of Ariana was that, um, well, first of all, who is this girl? Man, everybody loves her, and I don't right. even know who she is. And because uh, I guess she came off of that TV show. But um, but then when I heard her sing, um, it's she she felt mumbly to me, and um, yes, um, like she was putting a lot in her nose, which. And, and not really working her lips enough. And so there was a kind of a lighter um, sound. I didn't really super care for it, but I could see that she was really saving her voice. She had, her, her technique was not hurting her voice at all. It sounded to me like she could play every night, you know? And yeah. So, um, but then uh, she started to, um, she started to, to break away from that, get a little bit more vocally, um, sharp with her with her pronunciation and everything and started using um you know a little bit more of her instrument i think and then when i saw her on one of those shows fallon or whatever 
doing the impressions of other artists, right. I was like, this girl is the real deal. Oh, she's, you know? she's definitely talented. Yeah, okay. I think the problem I have with a lot of these singers is they get stuck um, doing other people's songs and, and doing um, songs that definitely don't do them any justice. Mm, yes. Mariah Carey is probably one of my favorite singers of all time just mm -hmm. because of her, her abilities. And her music is awful. Yeah. It is so predictable most of the time. I, you know, I, I have to say I feel that way about Kelly Clarkson's music. Um, yeah, she's got such talent. So talented. So but talented. at least with her, I, I sort of can get behind some of the music, but it's it's definitely like out of a mold. Yeah, 100% yeah. 100% sounds like everything else that comes out. Mm. Mariah Carey's early stuff yes. just slayed me. Yes. I mean, when she, when she came out, her song... Uh, little known song called Vanishing on her first record that mm -hmm. I just, man, I used to school my kids in that, in that, that song because, uh, it was just an amazing, amazing journey, um, of, of, of vocal dynamics. Right. And, uh, right. so that, that song stands out to me. Hero, of course, was epic. And, right. um, and she, and, you know, she was able to use that whistle tone so much. Emotions was right. an amazing use of the whistle tone, um, you know, but she, her voice fell on hard times too. You know. Well, I mean, you, you can only abuse your body and your your you know voice so much before it catches up with you because you can't sing like you're 20. Yeah. When you're 40, yeah. you know, you, no, you, you definitely have to change. Uh, coming back to to James Hetfield, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you know, dude was singing a lot of really high songs when he was you know a teen. Mm -hmm. A lot of those songs they're not doing or they're changing keys or he's struggling with at this point. Artists are changing keys a lot more than uh, ever before. It seems, unless I just wasn't hip to it earlier in my in my life. But um, but yeah, I mean, even some of the you know when you when you see Celine Dion in right. her residency, um, you know most of her stuff is a half step down, but only a half, um, and it just kind of takes the edge off. Uh, but you it's know, a little she, easier. You don't struggle as much. Yeah, and I mean that woman's doing lots of shows, right. and so well, she's in Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. So so. Um, at least once a day, you know. I don't know if she's doing two a days at all. Uh, I think she was. I don't know about now, but um, I, I tell you, she's one of the few artists that have made me cry. You know, just watching perform. I don't. I don't get really uh, mushy with music, like some people do. Um, I've always wondered why that is, but but that's pretty amazing when you see somebody that that has that touched by the gods yeah. thing and you see them actually use it. And oh, you know, yeah. in that moment you're watching like, Oh, they're doing something right now. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Uh, that's, that for me is inspiring. Yeah. I, I come back to it all the time. The opening two minutes of the lion King cartoon mm. was like that for me. Oh yeah. It's like, I, I didn't care that the, you know, that Mufasa died. I mean, that was like, it is sad, but it's like that opening sequence. Oh, like yeah. it was like musical and visual perfection it really was, you know, and yeah. it built that's and it builds. That's a, that and is a beautiful moment. Absolutely. Get what you're saying. Um, mm -hmm. that, you know, there's, it, it takes a lot for me to be moved like that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So, um, do you feel, and I, you kind of already answered this. Do you feel like you've quote unquote made it at this point? Sure. I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, I live, uh, I don't live lavishly, um, so I'm actually in a kind of a bit of a semi-retirement, as it were. I'm working right now more with uh, the industry itself, um, uh, 
you know, I'm blessed that the Scooter Bronze team sends people out to me um, every once in a while. And, uh, and like I said earlier, Tori Kelly still works with me. Um, I get people from all over the world that will uh, Skype with me. Um, that's pretty huge. Yeah, so that's, that's all really cool. Um, but um, I'm not doing as much of the, the kids, um, you know, just activity voice lessons right. as I used to do. In, right. fact, I, in fact, I'm not doing that at all, to be honest with you. But I am working with those that are um, uh, working on songs, songwriting, okay. because that's, um, that's a different little itch to scratch, and I, right. I'm enjoying it. And I feel like I'm making a difference. And um, Well, I think if there's anything we need, I mean, singers are out there. Songwriters are really not, you know, and, and I, I must have said this before, but there's the same two guys writing 90% of what's on the charts. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, and I, it's it's insane to me. When I started to look into that, I'm like, that's really a thing. Yeah, there's, you know? and well, another thing is, is uh, collaboration. There's a lot of collaboration. It used right. to be, um, I've had the blessing of working with uh, Diane Warren on several occasions. She was a, if you look up her, uh, for your, for your listeners, um, you know, realsongs.com, she is a treasure trove of the eighties, nineties, two thousands. Um, you'll see song after song that the woman was, you know, and you don't see as much of that coming from the individual songwriters now. Um, one of my girls, uh, in fact, two of my girls that have really moved on in songwriting, uh, Joelle James and Taylor Parks. Um, Joelle wrote, uh, co-wrote "Boot Up" for LMA, and uh, which won a Grammy. And then, uh, and then Taylor has she has written so many of Ariana Grande's songs. Really? Yeah. And and she, you know, she was this 12, 13 year old I was working with and working on her voice, working on her voice. She auditioned for the movie Hairspray. She is Little Inez in the in the John Travolta movie really? Hairspray. Yeah, Queen Latifah's daughter. And um, and uh, and that and then she went on to uh, to become an LA songwriter. Now she's starting her own artist career, but uh, if you look at her list of uh, her right. discography, she's she's a boom writer. That's awesome. Yeah, and so but they're they're um, they're out there, but they're out there in groups, and it's because they they they'll sit around and somebody makes a beat, and and. Um, there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot more unity. Yes. Not uh, in the songwriting uh, realm, not as much individualism, and um, so I, I, I would imagine they're getting paid less because right. of everything, of but um, but they network and and they have fun with it, and they're and there's some real talent. There Absolutely. is some real talent. Absolutely, and I think if they, there's anything that's good about having everybody have access to the technology is that you might again see a community mm -hmm. come out of the music business. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm kind of looking forward to that um, as we go forward and seeing these kids get out of their own bedrooms and maybe work with somebody else in their bedroom. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, So, man, you've done so much over your career and you've worked with a lot of talented people. Is there anything that you would still like to accomplish? Well, this is this is not related, um, but I am really enjoying writing, uh, and I'm talking about writing stories. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and so that you know, what kind of stuff are you writing? Uh, science fiction. Really? Yeah, and uh, and uh, I've got a, a series that's going to be going. Um, 
not sure. I've got a book out now on Amazon called uh, um, The Cosmotics. Cosmotics 2198. Okay. I'm told that's a terrible title. Well, whatever. I mean... <laughs> but, but um, I'm looking at it becoming a series at some point, and then it will, I'm sure, undergo changes. I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm more than halfway into the sequel. But, um, but that, and, um, um, you know, as, as far as music goes, I think this is more of a hiatus than anything, and um, I'll probably be, be back into it a little bit more. Um, but I feel like, as far as you know, being an artist, getting my own music out there and everything, I think that's behind me. I don't, I don't, I don't really feel a need for yeah. that. But I, I think that the um, my heartstrings will always be tugged by people that want to learn. So in one form or another, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be out there doing that. That's awesome, man. I, mm -hmm. I think that is exactly where we should put a pin in this thing. Oh, sure. Um, so one more time, the name of the book that you uh, have out on Amazon. Oh, uh, Cosmotics. Now, don't confuse that with cos cosmetics, because that's <laughs> <laughs> until it gets popular. That's what. But it's uh, uh, yeah, C O S M O T I X twenty one ninety eight Billy Purnell. And uh, it's a uh, fun little ride. And where can people find you online if they want to look into your your method and your your instruction? Um, yeah, uh, you can go to uh, voicetraining.com. That's, That's an excellent website. It's been my site since 95. That's a freaking got, genius got in early. that you got there. Yeah. And then uh, billypurnell.com also. That's actually more for the authorship, but they connect them. And that's, I mean, I get the same thing. I've got so many different irons and so many different fires that I've got tons of websites out there that are all just slightly different, but I make sure I have a little bit of an arrow on each one to point mm -hmm. to the others just in case they go to the wrong one. Yeah. So I get it, man. Good, good. Uh, well, anyway, on that note, I think it's time to wrap this up. This has been another episode of Fix It in the Mix. Thanks again uh -huh. to Billy Purnell for coming in and uh, sharing a, a little bit of a peek into his world. Thanks for having me, Chris. Oh, man. It's been great, man. And uh, hey, by hey. all means, if you all enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Facebook. And for the love of all that's holy, tell a friend. Fix It in the Mix is recorded at Inland Blue Studios. Remember to subscribe to Fix It in the Mix on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode was brought to you by SpinWiz Comics. Please go and visit spinwizcomics.com.